the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this first weekend of July. To judge by maps of the Northern Hemisphere, the weather everywhere is a true scorcher. I wish a happy July 4th on Monday to all my American compatriots. May God bless you and our country. In the interview segment this weekend, I offer part two of my conversation with Blythe Kaufman, who founded Children's Rosary in 2011, an international prayer group movement for children. She was in Rome recently with her son Asher to speak to Vatican officials about the Children's Rosary International Prayer Group and to participate in the 10th World Meeting of Families in Rome. We talk about the Children's Rosary, when and how it was founded, how it has spread, etc. And Asher explains, and Asher explains how a parish can set up a Children's Rosary group. Now to the week's top news stories. And I'll start with the Pope's meeting on Monday, June 27th, with 5,500 members of the Neocatechumenal Way, a Catholic lay association founded in Spain in 1964, dedicated to post- and pre-baptismal formation of Christians. They hailed from the five continents, including families from war-torn Ukraine, accompanied by their bishop, as well as neocatechumenal families from the Diocese of Rome. The Holy Father encouraged them to continue their missionary work to bring the gospel of Jesus to a secularized world under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, while respecting the diverse cultural contexts in which they live. Noting that cultural diversity is a richness for the Church and that the incarnation of Christ has significance for all peoples and cultures, the Pope underscored the importance of unity in diversity in the Church. On Tuesday, June 28th, Pope Francis, in a video message, encouraged young people participating in the first global youth tourism meeting underway this week in the town of Sorrento on Italy's Amalfi Coast. He encouraged them to be messengers of hope and rebirth for the future. The Global Youth Tourism Summit is a new platform developed by the United Nations World Tourism Organization to enhance youth empowerment and engagement in the tourist sector. Wednesday, June 29th, the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, Apostles and Patron Saints of Rome, is a heartfelt celebration both in the Vatican and throughout the Eternal City. The main event is always the Papal Mass in St. Peter's Basilica, when Metropolitan Archbishops, named by the Pope since the previous June 29th, are given the symbols of their authority and their link to the See of Peter. Tuesday, 32 of the 44 Metropolitan Archbishops named since last June were present in St. Peter's Basilica and received the blessed palliums from the hands of the Holy Father. The palliums had been brought from the confessio area beneath the papal altar to Pope Francis for his blessing. Later in the Mass, the Archbishops received the palliums in what looked like a gift wrap box. The nuncio of each archbishop's country will actually place the pallium on his shoulders in a ceremony in his home cathedral. The Holy Father, seated in an armchair not far from the celebrated statue of the first pope, St. Peter, presided at the first part of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word, and he delivered the homily. Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey, Dean of the College of Cardinals, presided at the Liturgy of the Eucharist. 
the bronze statue of Peter on this day, as well as on February 22nd, Feast of the Chair of Peter, wears stupendous vestments, the triple tiara, and a papal ring on the finger of his extended hand. At the Angelus on Wednesday, Pope Francis reflected on the struggles of the Apostles Peter and Paul and the imperfections in their faith, and he said we can relate to the patrons of Rome in our struggles to grow in closeness to Jesus. He pointed out that the two apostles experienced an apprenticeship of faith, a journey many faithful likewise face. We too believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But it takes time, patience, and much humility for our way of thinking and acting to fully adhere to the gospel. After the Angelus on June 29th, Pope Francis invited the faithful gathered in St. Peter's Square to accept a free copy of the first edition of the Osservatore di Strada, the Street Observer, a monthly magazine produced by Vatican Communications that aims to give a voice to the poor, homeless, and marginalized. It will be published on the first Sunday of each month, both in print and online. The distribution of hard copies will take place every Sunday in and around St. Peter's Square after the Pope's Angelus. Also June 29th, the Vatican released Pope Francis's apostolic letter, Desiderio Desideravi, on the liturgy, addressed to the people of God. He reaffirms the importance of ecclesial communion around the rite that emerged from the post-conciliar liturgical reform. It is not a new instruction or a directive with specific norms, but rather a meditation on understanding the beauty of liturgical celebration and its role in evangelization. Let us abandon our polemics, he writes, to listen together to what the Spirit is saying to the Church. Let us safeguard our communion. Let us continue to be astonished at the beauty of the liturgy. Also June 29th. In a letter to Caritas, Spain, Pope Francis highlighted the important work of the charity organization and encouraged its discernment for new paths as it celebrates its 75th anniversary. He urged the Church's humanitarian arm to persevere in its service to those in need, in a letter addressed to Manuel Bertón Romero, president of Caritas, Spain. Holding up the motto for the celebration, 75 Years of Love for Others, Pope Francis said, This is a service that continues in the present and opens to the future with hope, knowing how to see the face of Christ crucified in so many people who suffer, offering them friendship, help, and consolation. Thursday, June 30th. In greetings intended for the International Jewish Committee on Interreligious Consultations, Pope Francis emphasized the importance of Christians and Jews encountering one another and working together to counter negative trends in Western society. Interreligious dialogue is a sign of the times, he said, adding that he considers it a providential sign in the sense that God himself and his wise plan has inspired in religious leaders and in many others the desire to encounter and come to know one another in a way that is respectful of religious differences. The Pope was actually unable to deliver his greetings in person as worsening pain in his knee forced the cancellation of the audience. His printed remarks were formally conveyed to the committee by Cardinal Kurt Koch in the Pope's name. Also June 30th, meeting with the delegation of the Ecumenical Patriarchate of Constantinople, Pope Francis thanked God for ecumenical progress over the years, and he stressed the need to reconcile with separated Christians, especially as the world faces a cruel and senseless war in which many, many Christians are fighting one another. 
He said, reconciliation among separated Christians as a means of contributing to peace between peoples in conflict is very timely. Following a long-standing tradition, the delegation is in Rome this week to help build unity between the Catholic and Orthodox churches. The visit comes as part of the traditional exchange of delegations for the respective feasts of the patron saints. June 29th in Rome for the celebration of the Apostles Peter and Paul, and November 30th in Istanbul for the celebration of St. Andrew the Apostle. Friday, July 1st. As the Church gets ready to celebrate the Second World Day for grandparents and the elderly on July 24th, Pope Francis is calling on Catholics to pray throughout the month of July for the elderly. Last month he prayed for families, and this month he said, we cannot speak about family without talking about the importance of the elderly among us. He noted that never before in human history have there been so many elderly people, saying we don't quite know how to live this new stage of life. There are many plans for assistance for the old age, but few projects for existence. He reflected on the need the elderly have for special care and the gifts they can offer younger generations. We elderly people, he said, including himself, often have a special sensitivity for care, for reflection and affection. We are, or we can become, teachers of tenderness. Also Friday. The Vatican announced that throughout July, there will be no weekly Wednesday general audiences with Pope Francis. They will resume on August 3rd. He will suspend most activities and audiences, but will continue to give his Sunday Angelus addresses to the faithful in St. Peter's Square. The big exception to his restful July will be his apostolic trip later in the month, July 24th to the 29th, to Canada, where he has a very full itinerary. Lots of papal news highlights this week, but things promise to be a bit quieter next week, as you just heard, with the Pope on a sort of reduced working staycation. I hope everyone will be working on healing his painful knee issue. Now, stay tuned for the Q&A, and then listen to Blythe Kaufman and her son Asher as they talk about the children's rosary. And again, have a beautiful, happy, safe Fourth of July. Welcome to the Q&A, except this week I don't have so much of a Q&A, but a bit of information on cardinals, who they are and how they're created. Pope Francis will create 20 new cardinals in Rome on August 27th, and then on August 29th and 30th, we'll meet with the entire College of Cardinals, so there are some important days ahead for the Catholic Church. Now, since 1059, the members of the College of Cardinals, the closest advisors to the pontiff, have been the exclusive electors of the Pope. In November 1973, Paul VI established that the maximum number of cardinal electors, those under the age of 80, at 120, and Pope John Paul in 1996 confirmed this as the ceiling for the number of elector cardinals. The cardinals belong to various Roman congregations, and they are considered princes of the Church. They have the title of eminence. Those resident in Rome, but also outside Vatican City, enjoy the rights and privileges of citizenship to the same. It's important to note that the title cardinal is an honorific title. A cardinal is not one of the three ordained orders, deacon, priest, and bishop. The ceremony or consistory for the creation of new cardinals includes the following, the greeting, a prayer, and the gospel, 
The first of the new cardinals then addresses the Holy Father. The Pope gives a talk, reads the formula of creation, and proclaims the names of the new cardinals. The cardinals then make a profession of faith and take the oath of fidelity. The Pope gives each one a beretta, the cardinalatial ring, the bull of the creation of cardinals that also contains the assignment of a titular church. The rite is concluded with the Lord's Prayer. In late afternoon, family members and friends are invited to meet the new cardinals during what the Vatican calls courtesy visits. These take place sometimes in various rooms of the Apostolic Palace and most generally in the Paul VI Hall, the main hall and the atrium. I hope this helps a bit when you tune in on August 27th to meet the new Cardinals. He is honored by the Church as a saint and the first diocesan priest to be declared a doctor of the Church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. John of Avila was known to his contemporaries as a spiritual master, and he served as a guide to some of the greatest saints of the 1500s. He also called for true reform in the church and was a role model for the priesthood even today. He died in 1569. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. EWTN is everywhere. EWTN radio programming is provided free of charge to over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio stations. It's a great teaching tool for Catholics and non-Catholics alike. For a complete list of EWTN AM and FM stations across America, visit EWTNradio.net. At the bottom of the page, click Affiliates. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Live Truth, Live Catholic with trusted series, features, and specials from EWTN Home Video. The EWTN Home Video highlight for July is the Blessed is the Nation Rosary for America and Rosary for Life DVD special. This unique collector rosary from Gorelli features a special crucifix with red and blue enamel stars and stripes on the front and One Nation Under God on the back. Also included is the Rosary for Life program led by Father Joseph Mary Wolf with special meditations for the protection of all human life. We remember that God is the Father of all and that He loves each one born and pre-born with a Father's love. Order your Rosary DVD set at EWTNRC.com 24 hours a day, 7 days a week or call 1-800-854-6316. No prayer is useless. All prayer has power. If you say the rosary, it's real prayer because it's a mini scripture. If you say a novena prayer, it's a real prayer. It's just somebody there to help you when your mind is blank, to give glory and praise to God, to be humble and ask for whatever it is you want. All prayer is pleasing to God if it's done with a grateful, loving heart. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Blythe Kaufman and her son Asher during their visit to Rome to speak to Vatican officials about the Children's Rosary International Prayer Group that she founded in 2011. 
They'll also participate in the 10th World Meeting of Families in Rome from June 22nd through the 26th. This week, Blythe will tell us about some special encounters she had in Rome, and her son Asher explains how a parish can set up a children's rosary group. Now, I want to switch to Asher for a minute. Welcome to the show, my young man. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be on. It was wonderful to meet you and talk to you. You've been so behind the Children's Rosary, so much a part of it, traveling with your mom and speaking. I I am sure that someday, if she got laryngitis, that you could take over for her absolutely beautifully. Now, Asher, what I'd love you to tell us about is setting up a group like this. So we know now you're throughout the United States, you're in other countries. How does a person or a parish set up a group? Yeah, so I'm going to go over that. Before I actually get into the steps for our guidelines for how to set up a children's rosary, I do just want to emphasize uh, we've been talking a lot about the fruits of the children's rosary, the benefits. I do want to emphasize it's actually very simple to set up a children's rosary. I think you'll see that by the time I go through these steps. And it's not a lot of effort on the part of the group leader, but the fruits are so large because the rosary is really such a powerful prayer. Right? We know that from church teaching and from apparitions and popes and cyclicals, right? So I think giving God the room to work is, is really important, but it, this is really very simple to do. So uh, the steps we give for how to begin a children's rosary is, number one, you should obtain permission from your pastor to begin a children's rosary group in your parish. Uh, that that is a prerequisite because it's going to be you know oh, held sure. in the parish. Uh, you should choose a location. Usually, this is done in a church or a parish center. It cannot be in homes. We've made that clear on, on numerous occasions. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, the children's rosary cannot be held in a in family home, can in say it in their own home. Of course, but not this specific ministry. Right. Right. Rosary. That would not be a children's rosary. Yeah. That would be a right. family rosary. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. You should also choose a regular meeting time. So usually this is monthly or maybe weekly if there's interest for that. Just try to keep it regular so people can kind of make arrangements based on that and, and try to be, try to come regularly. Well, you can fit it into a schedule better, anything. Exactly. I mean, sure, it can be a monthly board meeting at a college or uh, the, the children's rosary, but you can work your schedule around the things that are already set. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you should also try to invite a small group of families and children, your first children's rosary. Putting a notice in your church bulletin is also a very good idea. We found that making an effort to try to connect with families and inviting them to your children's rosary is very good because it, it really just kind of gets the exposure out. Once you've got a few families coming, it's 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 helps the group to move along. I do also want to say that if you don't get a lot of people coming, that's okay. Keep meeting, keep praying, and God will do with it what, what he what He wills. And we always, don't always have uh, large groups. Well, but, if you made size a prerequisite, that exactly. would be disappointing right then and there. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So please don't get discouraged. The last step I'll mention is you, please register your children's rosary at uh, www.childrensrosary.org or mail it to the Children's Rosary Post Office Box at 271743 West Hartford, Connecticut, 061. And by the way, I will put this information on my blog. As you know, on Fridays, when I post the picture of my guest, I always uh, mention if there's a website, whatever's important to finding out more. Oh, and one thing I want to ask um, both of you, you, um, Blythe, spoke of some of these testimonies and this priest in Africa and so forth. Are some of these testimonials on the website themselves? 
Yes, we're actually, we've, we've been preparing small little interview segments on our YouTube channel for the Children's Rosie. But excitingly, we are actually in the works with EWTN to release a uh, two-part documentary. Each part will be an hour, so ultimately in total it will be two hours, that features our month-long trip to Africa where we visited Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda. And we oh. have just interviews with children, par- uh, priests, bishops, talking about the fruits, but also just, we were just the eyes to see what our Lord is doing. And so that's really, this is just giving people a window into this. This was not part of a a tour. This was visiting people we've been in contact with for years. So we were off the grid on in the, with the Maasai tribe. We were staying on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro with a parish. I mean, we, we really were in kind of a very unique situation to be able to give people a window into what not only is our Lord doing in Africa, but Part of the title is Fertile Soil, uh, which means children's hearts are fertile soil. Whether you're in Africa, you're in Italy, or the United States, if you have a young child, all you need to do is the sowing. There's no weeding needed. So if you could say, well, they can do this in Africa. No, you can do this anywhere you have young children because their hearts are receptive to prayer. Absolutely. It's an amazing adventure. Wow. I am excited about this documentary and be sure and be in touch with me so that in addition to what my colleagues will do on our website and so forth, I'd be happy to promote that. So now, Blythe, I remember our talking the other day and I think you have a pretty wonderful story about Ukraine. I think maybe the North American College and you tell the story. Oh, thank you so much, Joan. Uh, yeah, well, we, one of the first places we went to was the North American College to visit the seminarians that have the seminarians from the United States, Canada, and Australia. And one of the seminarians pointed out from the rooftop the Ukrainian seminary. So just feeling kind of a, 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 the Holy Spirit moving with us, um, Asher and I took a walk over to this very large gate, imposing gate, and rang the doorbell. We didn't know anyone inside. Uh, someone came to the door and we asked to meet with the rector or anyone inside. We were escorted in uh, and met with a lovely seminarian and priest who ended up spending several hours with us. And we really were exploring the idea of helping to spread the children's rosary amongst the children in Ukraine, which uh, just given all of the different situations that are going in the world, it seemed like a beautiful idea. And we were recommended to reach out to the the Ukrainian bishop, um, Bishop uh, Goodziak, and and so we uh, took his information and his secretary's information, and we wrote to him. Uh, but I wasn't quite sure if we were going to have an opportunity to meet with him. Well, wasn't it just the next day or the following day that we were visiting one of the priests from our diocese who's doing advanced study in Rome, and it was raining, and so we needed a place to duck into. We ended up ducking into the Twelve Apostles Church, and. At that place, we ended up finding out that there was a, a, a gathering of representatives from multiple churches on the eastern side, which included the Ukrainian Catholic Church. And so just half an hour later, uh, we befriended a professor who introduced us to, indeed, the Bishop Guziak uh, and, and his secretary. And then from there, we were also able to meet... Um, Cardinal Sandry yes. and his um, secretary, uh, who is Archbishop. Because he heads the dicastery for Oriental Churches. Exactly. And so we also were able to meet Archbishop Galato, who was being honored that evening. And, and so there were representatives from many churches present. Um, and 
it was just a beautiful, again, signal grace, really, that that we should really reach out to a lot of these Eastern churches and incorporate, you know, have an Eastern arm to the children's rosary, uh, keeping um, their customs and their and honoring all of their particular prayers uh, that may be associated with the rosary. But um, this particular evening, we ended up being able to celebrate Mass with them Aww. and then also spend the, an evening of, of a reception uh, and to be able to speak to these people and, and make these connections, which uh, we really weren't expecting to make here in Rome. So these were some of the things that just, you know, while in Rome, uh, these beautiful connections can happen within um, you know, your circle and then outside. Oh, you turned it all over to the Holy Spirit. So I, I think we we know what uh, what the Holy Spirit had in mind. But I just want to say one thing, too, to our listeners. If you're not familiar with the expression Eastern churches or, or Oriental churches, we are talking about different rites, but these are Catholic churches. So we're talking about the Chaldean, we're talking about Maronite, Melkite, Syrian. I th- believe there are 23 Eastern rites, mm-hmm. but they're all Catholic churches. There are Eastern Orthodox. That's not what we're talking about here, you know. So anyway, well, that is a wonderful, wonderful story. And I guess all I can do is pray every day that, again, your visit will will bear a lot of fruit. And in the days ahead, I can't even imagine the people you're going to meet at the World Meeting of Families and, and spreading the word. So, um, well, we're coming to the end of our, our time here. But, um, Asher, just some final thoughts from you about your Rome visit, what you've learned or what you go, what are you going to take home from this visit? Of course, you haven't done the World Meeting of Families yet, but still. Yeah, this visit has really been something amazing. I mean, seeing God sort of guide our trip and and who we meet and what we do. I mean, ma- making a trip to, to this city has just been a very blessed experience. And, you know, I just I just hope that, that God continues to guide uh, each of us sure. in, in what we do for the rest of our life, uh, no matter where we are. But just amazing opportunity to be uh, in this city particularly. Well, from now on, when people say to either of you or both of you, God bless you, your answer should be, he really has. That's what I try and say to people. And you actually, to see the expression on their face, because they don't expect you to say that. So um, I do want to say to both of you, thank you so much for your time, for this wonderful presentation. And I will do my best to pay tribute to this ministry of the Children's Rosary with this interview and, and then on my website. So... Uh, continued good luck, and you know what? Stay cool. You folks, it is torrid here in Rome. We have to work hard to take care of our health, too. So anyway, Asher, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank and you very much, Joan. Blythe, safe travels to both of you, and enjoy the rest of your family now that they're here. So for the World Meeting of Families, what else? God bless. information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.